0: We are live <laughs> <laughs> whoops you are listening to the give me five podcast episode number 67 This is the Give Me 5 podcast, a semi-entertaining show about very entertaining things. My name is Jimmy. I am here with Rob, hey guys, and Greg. Happy New Year. Here on thank the Give you. Me Same 5. You. Oh, thank you. Uh, here on the Give Me 5 podcast, we discuss pop culture, entertainment and a little bit of nostalgia. This evening, we will be discussing the year 2018. This is our year in review show.
1: Our second annual year-end extravaganza. Pretty exciting. We can now say it's an annual thing. Exactly. So, guys, here's the deal. If this is the first time you were listening to our podcast, first of all, welcome. Second of all, this episode is a little bit different. We usually will talk about some news, some weird stories, some other things coming out and trailers and all that stuff. Uh, We're not going to do any of that this time. We are going to basically just review... Uh, what we think were the best in movies, music, books, video games, all that kind of stuff. And our regular episodes, of course, we will go through and talk about things more in depth about what we thought, what we thought the people were getting at when they made stuff, what mistakes they made, all that fun stuff. But this time, it's all about the best. And on that note, hit us, Rob. So, <laughs> this is a review show, and there will probably be spoilers. But honestly, for
2: this episode, you might be fairly safe. I don't know that we're going to spoil a whole lot. We're just going to tell you a bunch of our favorites for the year. Uh, But if we are talking about something that you haven't seen and you want to hear a little bit about it, you could probably go ahead and listen. Otherwise, skip ahead and come back and listen later. So guys, if you would like to get in contact with us and share any of your top fives for the year 2018, we'd love to hear it. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Five Podcast. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. Or you can email us, givemefivepodcast at gmail.com. And as always, guys, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using. It really helps us stand out. Greg, do we have a store?
1: Yeah, we do. We do have do a we? store and it has all sorts of cool things. Like it has t-shirts, it has cell phone cases. I know some of you guys out there got some lovely give me 5 podcast stuff for Christmas. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. And uh thank you for putting that on the uh the thing there. Um You're very welcome. Yeah. Someone has defiled the script. But anyway, we got all sorts of fun stuff there. There are now stickers at that store and you know, check it out. Cool logo. It looks good on people. So,
2: and and that. please,
1: oh, please, it's uh, please. give me five podcast. You should probably know that too. Absolutely.
2: And please, guys, when you get your give me five podcast merch, tag us on Instagram or Twitter. We'd love to see it, especially not the bath mat. Yes, not that we haven't seen it, but we'd love to
0: see you model our stuff.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Except for the bath mat. I don't want to see any weird pictures of feet. He really wants lots of pictures of feet. I definitely do not.
0: Greg has a foot
1: fetish. He does. Greg does not. Oh. Okay, so do you want to get going and uh, do our top fives of 2018? Let's do it. I think I think we should.
0: So let's get down to brass tacks. Start with I our first what category. That
1: actually, means what does that mean?
0: Ah, we're going to go off the rails. We look that up. Okay. <laughs> Start it off. Our first category, uh, and I'll let you guys run with this one, as I have not read any books this year, um, even they within the it. past couple of years. Uh, that came out within the past couple of years. So what are your top five books that you discovered this year? Okay, so
1: we will do occasional disclaimers throughout this time. Uh, Books is one of the weird ones because sometimes it will take a longer time to read them. So some of these books may have come out in like late 2017. uh, Or as Rob said earlier, what you said, how are you going to distinguish yours?
2: These are books that I discovered in 2018, they they may have been written a little bit before that, but they're they're all within relatively the 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 uh, most recent years. I mean, I think the oldest one on my list is 2015, but they're all yeah. books that I discovered this year
1: because books are a weird one there. It takes mm-hmm. a while to read them. And obvi- this is not our main jobs. So anyway, for my books, uh, one of them I just recently started is uh, my number five. I'll Be Gone in the Dark is by Michelle McNamara, the late wife of Patton Oswalt. And it is oh, that's about the
0: Golden State Killer, right?
1: It is about the Golden State Killer. Um, and there's going to be some themes that this there's a podcast coming up. I'll talk about that also sort of mentions a little bit of this stuff. And it's basically her trying to find the, who the Golden State Killer is because people have basically given up. Uh, she did exhausting research and sadly passed away in the process of writing this book. So for the people that were helping her actually finished up the book, and it turns out this happens to be very good. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. That was my number five. Uh, Twilight of the Gods, A Journey to the End of Classic Rock. I'm a big fan of think pieces about music, as you're going to see a lot in the next I don't know, four books. But Steve Hyden, Stephen Hyden wrote a book called Your Favorite Band is Killing Me, which I think I talked about last year. It was about just band rivalries, you know, like East Coast, West Coast rap fights and... Guns and Roses versus Motley Crue and all that stuff. But Twilight of the Gods is about basically, you know, is rock over. But it's also, he kind of talks about himself because he's, I think, about our age. And talks about like, you know, you think these gods of classic rock are going to go on forever. And are they fulfilling their dreams? Are they, you know, and did the author himself kind of, is it time for him to move on from idolizing these people and stuff like that? It's very interesting. It talks a lot about The Who and all these other bands that I love. Number three, I am actually just about to finish this one, but there is a book called A History of Heavy Metal, which I, have I told you about this one, Jimmy, yet?
0: I don't think so. Okay.
1: This is an absolute must read for fans of metal. Ooh! I got it because I was just in a metal kind of mood. And it's like, I'd oh, be kind of neat to listen to hear about some bands that I don't hear about all the time. So I'm reading through the beginning of it. Actually, I'm listening to this one because um, one, the author is British and he's a British comedian and he does the audiobook. book. But- Who is that? Uh, and Andre O'Neill. Okay. Um, so I was listening to it, and it sounds very serious at first. And then he starts throwing in little jokes in the audiobook. book. Uh, one of those being he tends to punctuate paragraphs with the phrase uh, "white uh, fuck white snake" throughout, which makes me happy. I agree. But he uh, he goes through all the metal. He actually is very knowledgeable about it. It it the book literally starts in World War II. And with the music that kind of built out of there, uh, he talks about, you know, Norwegian black metal. He talks about death metal. He talks about, and he brought up some, like, he was talking about He's like, this is like easily the best song of this, you know, whatever, and stuff I had never heard before. And maybe, I mean, one of the ones uh, I had never heard the song before, but you might actually know it's something, uh, Red. It is, uh,
0: Red Before Black,
1: uh, Dreaming in Red. Huh. by, by Dismember. And I was like, and, he, you know, he said, like, this is a really early version of uh, death metal song, and this is what it built into. It's really cool. Uh It also features the phrase uh, shower of dicks, which I liked, where he's referring I'm to... I'm sure uh, you do.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. He refers to uh, uh the members of Nightwish being a shower of dicks because they kicked out their, their lead singer by handing her a note before she went on stage, which I thought was kind of interesting. But if you like heavy metal, or if you're just trying to understand heavy metal... This book is really, really good. It's kind of a great overview, so I'm I'm loving it. Book number two, talked about it a couple of weeks ago, The Beastie Boys Book by Michael Diamond and Adam Horowitz. Like I said, you we talked about it, I think, episode like 64 or 63, I think. So you can hear a little more about it there. It's an interesting book. It was fighting for the top spot. But a book that really opened my eyes to another band, The Replacements, took the top spot, and that is Trouble Boys by Bob Mayer. Uh, M-E-H-R is the last name. And I didn't know much about the replacements, but after reading that book, I became a huge fan. And it just shocked me at how much talent was in that band and how they did everything possible to fail, but still managed to come up with some great music. So Trouble Boys was a fan, a remarkable book across the board. So that would be my number one. That's what nice. I got.
0: All right. Very good. How about you,
1: Rob?
2: All right. Well, like I said, these are all books that I actually discovered this year. I believe we've talked about maybe one or two of them um, already on the show. But uh, I'm going to start at number five with the oldest one in the, in the group. But like I said, it's one that I just discovered this year. And I kind of happened upon it while I was looking for, I think it was during one of those Audible, like, buy one, get one credit things. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a novel by Jonathan French. And one of the reasons that I, that I went ahead and picked it up was because it had a actually very glowing recommendation from Mark Lawrence, I believe. It might have been Jim Butcher, though. It was, it was either Mark Lawrence or Jim Butcher. I don't remember exactly who it was that wrote it. And I went back to try and find it, and I couldn't find that particular review. Um, but both Mark Lawrence and Jim Butcher are authors that, I, that I've really enjoyed. Um, and the name of this book is called Grey Bastards. And it's basically about a group of half orcs that patrol the wastelands outside of the human civilized world and prevent the the full orcs from invading from invading and taking over basically the world so it's actually a really good book it's it's very gritty um, there's a lot of profanity there's a lot of um a lot of inappropriate content so it's not probably something that you would want to let your kids read or or listen to in a car with your kids around uh, because there will be a lot of profanity. But it, it was an enjoyable read, and I really liked it. Um, my number four is probably going to be God's Grave, which is a novel by Jay Kristoff. It's the second book in a series. The series is called the Nevernight Chronicles, I believe. The first book was called Nevernight. Second book was called God's Grave. It was released in 2017. Like I said, it was written by Jay Kristoff, and it's. It's a book that has a very a very strong uh, female lead. the The story centers around a a young woman who is picked up and trained as an assassin. Basically, her her whole life she's wanted to be an assassin, and she she gets entrance into this assassin training academy, if you will. And it's all about you know her her misadventures in the assassin's academy and this one actually had it might have been higher but it had some surprising like out of nowhere and very graphic love scenes and you know kind of like so graphic that i kind of felt awkward listening
1: to it (laughs) if that was able to make you feel awkward the average person
2: i'm like i'm like wow i am i you know i'm listening to it in my car and i'm like are my windows rolled up (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anybody else needs to hear me listen or listen to this, you know? So, but I really enjoyed both novels. Um, The, those, those graphic love scenes were very few and far between. I think there was only one, one per book, maybe two. I don't remember. Um, So they weren't like super frequent or anything.
0: Why don't you uh, read us an excerpt?
2: Uh, No, that's all right. Okay. (laughs) So that's my number four, my number three we we have discussed actually in the podcast and that came out in 2017 as well and that's going to be Kings of the Wild by Nicholas Eames and that's the one with the with the band of mercenaries the the story that centers around the band of mercenaries that are 30 years past their prime are mm-hmm. they the old dudes yeah yeah the old dudes it it was it, it was a very enjoyable story it was a good read i i really liked it uh like i said it came out in 2017 but if you're a fan of, like, the fantasy genre, you, you'll probably enjoy it. I, I'd say and, – and if you're getting older, like we are, you, you might find it rather amusing and you might enjoy it. I, speak for I, yourself. Yeah, whatever. You're getting there. So that's my number three. My number two – and I'm really torn on my one and two. I think I'm going to put number two – a book that I think you're going to get to eventually, Jimmy, because if I if I recall correctly, you said you really enjoyed it. I got you started on the series.
0: Uh, is that a book in The Land? It is. I am on uh, book two, The Forging. I actually bought that the other night. Nice.
2: Um, so I'm digging it, yeah. This this was book seven? The the latest book in the series. It was actually released this year mm-hmm. cool. by Alaron Kong. It's called The Land Predators. And it's a, one of the reasons that I, well, not one of the reasons I grabbed it, um, but one of the things I loved about it when I picked it up is I, I like feeling like I got my money's worth when I pick up an Audible credit, you know, using an Audible credit for like a, a six hour book kind of pains me. This book was 46 hours long. Oh <laughs> yeah. In, in, in the Audible version, the Predator, Predators was like 46 hours. I was like, good Lord. And, but it was fantastic. It was very, very good.
1: It's like the dude was still writing it as you were listening to it. And just adding it, it on totally
2: was. It totally was. Um, I don't. I don't expect that any of his follow-up books are going to be as long as that one. But I understand. I think. I think there's going to be a couple more books. I'm not sure how many more. I think he said about 12 in the series. Um, wow. So the one he's on is eight, but I don't quote me on that. I could be off.
1: I would like the listeners out there to know that he actually will talk to semi strangers at bars about this book. And one of them who he had just met that night through some of our, through some of our listeners mm-hmm. uh, went out and bought both of the first two books of this and is, Oh, they them. did. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear
0: that. They're very good. They're very fun. If, mm-hmm. if you're a fan of uh, MMOs or fantasy or real-time strategy games, it, it's got something for everyone. I mean, it's, It's a lot of fun. They're hard to put down.
2: Yeah. Okay, so then that leaves us with my number one. And like I said, this was a toss-up between number one and number two, but I'm going to give number one to Grey Sister by Mark Lawrence. It's the second book in the – what is the name of that series? Um, Anyway, it's the second book in a series about another another very strong female lead. She is basically a nun, and in this world – The nuns are kind of like the Shaolin monks where they're like warrior nuns. And it's all about her journey through the convent and her clashing with some of the nobility of the world that she lives in and them trying to kill her, her trying to survive, her thinking she's the chosen one and finding out the truth. So it's, it's actually a really interesting read. It's very well written. Um, it's by an author who we actually have talked about as well in previous episodes of the podcast. He wrote the, the Red Queen's War, the Prince of Fools series with Jalen Kendith. I don't know if you guys Mm -hmm. remember me talking about that, but he wrote that series as well. Um, very, very good author. And this, this, these two books in the series are actually excellent. I really enjoyed. The
0: first book was Red Sister.
2: It was, and I believe the third book that's due out this year, I think later this year, is called Holy Sister.
1: And I think it's just a trilogy.
0: Is but it by Dio? Probably. By Dio? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no okay. I, I,
1: I got it, but I was thank you. And I had to. I was moving some notes around, but yes, there is an album or a song. I think it's a song and an album called Holy Diver by Dio it's ah. read the heavy metal book you'll hear all about it and that'll be my five excellent a, a big big variety so we got the people that there are like the fantasy and the non and the fiction stuff you might want to lean towards Rob's list and if you like I guess true crime and or music related books then you might check out mine
0: yeah I've read uh, a number of books this year that it did not come out um anywhere near this year I'm currently reading Touching from a Distance, um, Ian Curtis and Joy Division by Deborah Curtis. Ooh. And I'm very excited to talk about that. Well, Is excited.
2: That it? Is it a documentary about a pedophile? No, no.
0: No. It's about the uh, late singer of the band Joy Division, Ian Curtis, and it's, uh, it's pretty heavy, um, as was his life.
1: Did you catch the fact that
0: there's like a ton of Joy Division and
1: Smith's references in Bumblebee? either by seeing Bumblebee or by hearing us talk about it?
0: Um, I did not get to the Bumblebee section of uh, the podcast. And I I did not actually, I, I think I picked up one from the trailer. Yeah. But are there really? The Smiths, uh, I could do without.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Smiths, but um, above her alarm clock. So really the first kind of time you see her room, she's of course got the Joy Division poster, the one that everyone has. The, the, you know, the, the one the that I have? Well, yeah. But you have the shirt, though. I have both. Oh, okay. Yes, but you actually listened to them and did listen to them. Mm-hmm. Other people have it because, like, you know, they sold it at Target for a while.
0: Or the, there was even a Disney one. And there was so much yeah. backlash, like, uh, mm, that's not family yeah. friendly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, Jimmy, that I actually am interested in checking that book out. I'm going to have to look at it. Um, yeah, I'll,
0: I'll let you borrow it. Awesome.
1: And since we were talking about books about music... I think it's time to go to our next category, which is Best Album. Okay. And uh, Jimmy, I believe you have stuff
0: for this. I do. Um, number five is going to be Unknown Pleasures by Joy Division. No, that actually came out like in, in the late the 70s. 70s. Oh, wow. I thought it was early 80s. I thought it was 79. You're probably right. Uh, eh. Potato, potato. Uh, so my actual number five is going to be from the band Skullfist. Their latest album is called Way of the Road, and every time it comes on while I'm driving, I just drive a little bit faster. It is a thrash album. It's pretty great. We talk about nostalgia a lot. It's it's a total kickback to, you know, 80s thrash, early 90s, um, high vocals, super fast, really, really fun album.
1: I think Rob is frantically writing down all these album names so that we can't fool him with fake band names later on.
0: Skullfist, check. <laughs> okay. And number four, Rob, go ahead and write this down. It's Dog Fashion Disco. Uh, they put out Experiments in Embryos this year. And, uh, while there are a couple of reprisals or re-recordings on the album, um, it's, it's always great to hear from them. They're, they've been, you know, one of my favorite bands for such a long time. And, uh, I was very excited to see that this came out in July, um, unbeknownst to me. My number three album, I've talked about it before. It is Book of Bad Decisions by the band Clutch. Always on point, always phenomenal. Clutch is clutch. All right. My number one and two. Um, it, it, it was pretty difficult for me to to kind of order these. Um, my number two is going to be Possessor by Ghost. And that came out very early in the year in March. And be- yeah, if you um, listen back... It was a very early contender for album of the year. But that was topped by Dark All Day by Gunship that I just cannot get enough of. You can go back and listen to our review. You can go back and listen to um, episode number 50 with Timmy Capello, Side A and Side B, where we uh, talk about that. So um, check it out.
1: Awesome. And I'll do mine. First of all, there are... There are two that just barely didn't make the list, but I usually, sometimes we talk about that stuff, sometimes we don't. But in mm-hmm. this case, I feel like we have to. Dance with the Dead, Love to Death, and Trinity by DJ10. They have let us use their music in our episodes this year, and their albums are great. Trinity, specifically, it held on to the last spot for a very long time in the fact that it was it's so diverse, and it showed it is. what Synthwave could be, and I don't know, it, it's... It was so close, but yeah. So uh, my number five is a album I honestly just found the past month, but I've been listening to it since then. Uh, a band called High on Fire, the album is Electric Messiah. Uh, the description I heard of the album was that they that the title track was referencing a fever dream that the lead singer had about Lemmy Hysingen, so Lemmy from Motorhead. And I was like, okay, I got to hear this. And they, I get it, said that the back the the bass line or the, the low end of the album is very reminiscent of Black Sabbath. The guitars are very thrash like the vocals are like metal Lemmy, which is funny because in that book I was reading, Lemmy apparently said that thought that he sounded like the Beatles. He, Lemmy always claimed that he was just in a rock band despite being one of the people that practically invented heavy metal, but that's besides the point. Uh, the I'm band is Lemmy. led by a guy named Matt Pike from a band named Sleep, who I know a little bit about and. I will say, just like Jimmy said, that whenever this an album comes on, it makes them drive faster. Uh, the other day, I was walking the dog and listening to that, and it kicked my adrenaline so much that I literally could not fall asleep for three hours. Like, I was thinking about going out jogging at, like, 3 in the morning because of just that hearing that album at the wrong time. Hell yeah, man. Uh, number four. There's a band called The Blue Stones. They're from Canada, and there's going to be a lot of colors mentioned here. They sound a lot like the Black Keys. Black Keys haven't released anything in a couple years. And uh one of our listeners and guest host of last week, Omar, sent me a link to their stuff. And uh their song the album's called Black Hole and the the song Black Hole is excellent and from the second I heard it, it just put you in like a nice bluesy rock groove. And I've been listening to that a lot recently and stuck around at four. That's actually what bumped Trinity, sorry. Greta Van Fleet, Anthem Oath of the Peaceful Army, saw them live this year. Their album came out, loved it, it sounded exactly like I wanted it to sound, and You know, a lot of cool stuff from these young guys. Number two, Gunship, Dark All Day. It led to one of our awesome podcast, you know. Oh, it's one of my
0: favorite moments of the year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, not just podcasts, but like entertainment things. Totally. Um, The video was great. The songs are great. Yeah. If there's anything I can complain about is the fact that they released the songs kind of spread out. So by the time the album came out, there were some songs I listened to like 50, 60 times. But that's not their fault. That's my fault. And number one is the actually the Black Panther soundtrack. It's sort of diverse. I I don't know. See, listen, putting that in when I'm driving around at night, It's uh, I can pretty much listen to it all the way through. It's something I can... Actually, this is a weird thing, but I can listen to it with my kid in the car. Okay. Uh, which is useful, because he's usually with me. Uh, whereas Gunship has that one sneaky song in the middle. <laughs> um, but it just puts me in the, the same mode as I was when I saw like Wakanda for the first time, or even like when the credits ran, uh, you know? So um, I think I come from an era when soundtracks were a big deal. And this was one of the first in a long time that kind of got me back to that era.
0: So. I'm really hoping the, the next spawn, although um, Todd McFarlane said it's going to be an unrelenting, um, dark and ugly film. Uh, I'm really hoping they do the same that they did with the soundtrack before. You know, the the metal bands and the rappers and hip-hop yeah, bands. just there was like an Atari teenage, right, and Slayer song on there. Mm-hmm. Just, ugh,
1: so good. And Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill, which was weird, but I've never be, been a big Cypress Hill fan. Okay, so I believe that covers music? I think
0: so. Cool.
1: I think I'm the only one with a live event, correct?
0: Probably.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go through this really fast, because I've covered all these on our episodes. Uh, My best live event, this is concerts and any sort of live performance. Uh, Number five was the Slayer Farewell Tour. Not the world's biggest Slayer fan, but it was cool seeing an old-fashioned metal show, even if I had to park in a field full of washing machines. Check out our episode on that. Number four was the MST3K Live show, where they watched movies and made fun of them. And I got the opportunity to meet the guys afterwards. Number three was EDC. Yes, I know I'm too old for it, but I love flashing pretty lights and cool stage graphics and to a lesser extent stages burning down. But the music was great, the fans were great, and it was just a fun night or a fun weekend. Number two was the Welcome to Rockville concert, where I got to see Foo Fighters, Ozzy, Godsmack, Billy Idol, Clutch, Stone Temple Pilots, uh, Trivium, Greta Van Fleet, which I talked about all in you know, over three days. Event Sevenfold impressed me. Oddly enough, Godsmack impressed me too, even though I'd seen them a bunch of times. But just a great show and just a lot of hard rock. And my number one, which is no surprise to anyone, the two Pearl Jam concerts at Fenway Park, not only were they great shows, they did what they wanted. They played a bunch of songs that they hadn't played before. They invited a member of Buffalo Tom on stage to do a song that helped them get through tough times in the early 90s, like out of nowhere. And the last numbers I saw, they did what one? They did two shows in Seattle, two in Chicago two in Boston, and one in Montana. I know they donated $12 million just in Seattle to help the homeless people, the homeless uh, Jeez. folks there. Um, I have not seen the numbers from every other city, but but just from the two shows they did in Seattle, they got they donated $12 million to build homeless shelters in the area. Um, so, it was a big deal and they're they, this was a non-album cycle for them and the fact that they just went out and did some fun shows and basically donated all proceeds uh, impressed me and the shows were great so that was my number one
2: all right well excellent list greg and i'm glad that you're uh that you're our live live event correspondent because i don't know how many jimmy and i actually made it to but i think we're going to move on from live events and go on to our top video games of the year and i think only jimmy and i have lists for this one so jimmy you want to lead us off
0: i sure can my number five is a game I've talked about many times. That is Pokemon Go. Uh, just keep introducing new stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's still fun. Uh, much like you guys with Star Wars, it's, it's just a, a good game to open, you know, while you're out and about. Uh, my number four is going to be The Walking Dead, the final chapter. Number three is Spider-Man. Number two, Mega Man 11. And my number wait, one.
1: No, wait, that's a thing.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it came out this year. It's a classic side-scroller. It's beautiful, and it's just totally classic. My number awesome. one game of the year should be no surprise, although I've had a love-hate relationship with it. Uh, mostly love these days. That is Red Dead Redemption 2. Still yes. not out of beta yet, but uh, as soon as it does, it's going to be even more fun. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Fantastic. Um, I'll go with my list and I should probably qualify this by saying that my list isn't necessarily games that I've completed, but it is games that have interested me enough to stop playing Rocket League for a little while (laughs) because I have an addiction and it's serious. Um, but I'll go at number five um it's had some some expansions and also been released for uh other systems uh within the last year and that's going to be Final Fantasy 15 if you like online mmorpgs this one is absolutely gorgeous you should check it out at least give it a give it a test run um i've kind of drifted away from it one because i don't really have anybody any none of my friends are playing right now um also they've dumbed it down a little bit to make it easier. Like I was, I was making an effort to level up all of my base classes and because the way it used to be was that you would get bonuses based upon the class that you had as your subclass. So if you leveled up all your base classes, you could be more versatile, so to speak. And then in a, in an update this past year, they took all of that away and just had you, basically there's no more subclasses. You can be this class and you get these sub skills based upon your class. So there's no reason to level any other job other than to unlock a job that you want. Um, so that, that that kind of fell off a little bit. Um, my number four is going to be Divinity Original Sin. It was an interesting RPG. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't really finish it. I got into it. It's very, very in depth. There's lots of conversation going on, but there is a lot of co- custom customization i guess where where the decisions that you make affect the outcome of the game basically so it's it's an interesting it's an interesting rpg if you're into that kind of thing i definitely recommend checking it out my number three is going to be monster hunter world it's it's an interesting it's an interesting setup you get to fight dinosaurs i mean that's kind of awesome So Monster Hunter World is going to slip in at number three. My number two is actually an old game that I played on computer, but it was just released this year on Nintendo switch. And that's going to be limbo. Have you guys played that game?
0: I have a little bit. Yes.
2: It's, it's a very neat looking puzzle type game. It's got a very film noir feel to it. Um, the entire foreground is jet black. And then the background is
1: the weird little, the little kid and the spider.
2: Yes. The background is like grayscale The the front, the foreground is like jet black. So it's got this, and his eyes like glow. So it's got this really weird, like noir feel to it. And you could basically control the little boy in a side scrolling puzzle puzzle game. So you have to figure out how to advance to the next level. And if you do it wrong, you die. And they've got all different animations for the way this kid dies. And it's pretty morbid, but it's very fascinating. So it's it's a great game. It's a great puzzle solving game. I recommend checking it out. And there are s- certain sequences in it where it genu- genuinely gives you a very creepy vibe. So that's going to be my number two. Uh, my number one is going to be Spider Man. It's such a gorgeous game. There's so many interactions with your environment. the The controls are kind of complex, at least. Um, so I'm not terribly good at it, but. The uh, the game itself is absolutely beautiful, and who doesn't like being Spider Man swinging
1: through the city? I mean, agreed. So Spider Man is my number one. Yeah, I thought about making a list. It was basically Spider Man number one and Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes number two because so they're the only games I played this year. But it turns out I picked good ones. Nice. Yeah, I didn't include Galaxies because it wasn't this year. Yeah, those I was able
2: to keep to this year. Nice.
1: Okay, so let's uh move on to uh, podcast, which is one of the things I was doing when I was not playing video games. Either editing them, listening to them, uh, or learning more about them. So, who's got some podcast lists? I do not.
0: I do. Do it? All right, so these podcasts um, didn't come out this year, but they at least wrapped up this year. And hopefully one of them will be coming back very soon. Uh, and that is my number five. That is King Falls AM, which is just hilarious. And, uh, it's, it's about a, um, a radio station in a very small town where very odd things happen and, uh, it really left us on a cliffhanger. So hopefully that's coming back soon. My number four is going to be lore. Of course, we've talked about it before. It's been a big inspiration as to why we started. Uh, number three is the bright sessions that wrapped up this year. Very, very good stuff. Uh, My number two is going to be Ars Paradoxica, which is a time traveling uh, rip roar, you know, just really great voice acting Um, and uh, looking forward to checking out more from those producers. And my number one is going to be Alice isn't dead. I told you guys about this several times. Alice isn't dead is just a fantastic podcast. It is creepy, it is supernatural, and the uh, main voice in that, uh, Jessica Nicole, is absolutely phenomenal. Um, check it out if you haven't. Cool, you love those uh, the story based podcasts? I absolutely do. Yes, I I love the story story based podcasts where I can learn something. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and the ones that I've listed. Yeah. Absolutely. You can.
1: Nice. So from my five best podcast of the year, not including our own, because that'd be, you know,
0: of course, self-organizing.
1: Yeah. And, uh, my number five is how did this get made? I love bad movies. I love smart people and funny people talking about bad movies and the comedians on how did this get made do a really great job of describing and making fun of movies that I either have seen, but years ago or have not yet seen. So I think that's, it's really good. Uh, they actually, in telling me not to see Geostorm and making fun of it for as long as they did, have made, that me, made, want me, you, have made me want to see Geostorm. But that's either on their benefit or detriment. So that was number mm-hmm. five. Number four, I was hesitant to put it on the list because I just found it this week because I was doing some pressure washing and wanted to find something new. It is called Bear Brook. And I was, but the thing is, I found it this week and I finished it this week because it was that good. It is a true story. This is actually the one that kind of ties into the book I was talking about with the, the true crime thing. So in the early 80s, they found a like a 55-gallon drum with two bodies in it in New Hampshire. And it was a cold case for a while. Then about 15 years later, they found another one almost in the same spot. But it was just far enough away. And it had been there when they found the first one. And they didn't. They just happened to not see it. because It was in the woods. So there was basically four bodies of people. And they had no idea who it was means four missing people that no one reported uh it turned out it was a mother and three kids although only two of the kids were hers but jesus yeah um so yeah it's very dark they don't get into so much of that stuff but the thing that was really interesting about this was it talked about like genetic forensics which basically with all the with all these people putting their genetics online like the 23andme stuff one of the easiest ways to find a killer is to know like who is the person and who do these people know. Problem is they didn't know who these people were. So over the years, and they finally caught the person that did it in twenty seventeen. They finally figured this this out. So and it ties into a bunch of different other cases, and it was just really well done. It's actually just six 30 minute episodes. So if you're if you're looking to learn something interesting, it's not very gory. The okay. mo- the most gory thing that they talk about is like these kids that found the barrel saying that it smelled like rotten milk. Like they don't really. Get into that. It's a lot about forensics, a lot about like missteps. And it was, it was, it was really good. Uh, number three, Pod Save America. That was up high on my last year's one. I uh, like smart people talking about policy and how the policies affect people. These are some of the smartest people talking about it. And one of them happens to also be funny. So that is that. Uh, another political one, Abe Lincoln's top hat. These are also smart people and funny people talking about it. Uh, they are not Pod Save America is relatively left skewing. Although they talk more about policy than other things. But Abe Lincoln's top hack is, I would say it's kind of right down the middle. I mean, the guy that does it is a frequent guest on Fox News. So that can, he's not as far right as Fox News, but he is on there. And he just, he talks about what's going on and adds his own little spin into it. And that guy happens to also be in my number one podcast. The last podcast on the left jumped to the top this year. I probably listened to about 200 of their episodes this year all about murderers i have a problem and they yes, talk you about did. conspiracy theories uh not the weird ones but well they talk about the weird ones not the 9-11 ones which i can't stand but they talk about serial killers jack the ripper ed Gein, they talk about you know, jeffrey dahmer and cults and all that stuff and it's a com- it's two comedians and a research guy and they're, they're just wildly entertaining and moderately offensive so last podcast on the left jumped to the top of my list this year
0: so as that sample goes uh we're gonna do a little self-love here and give ourselves a little bit of promotion guys what are your favorite episodes that we've done this year this past year 2018 am i
1: this is actually good for those people that might be listening for the first time i think so well my my number five
2: is going to be the shit-sucking vampire uh side a side b sexy sax man and it <laughs> might have been higher on my list, but I was, th- that ended up being recorded on a night that I had to work. So I missed the second half of that episode. I, I, I missed most of the interview with Tim Capello, but still a great episode. And if you haven't listened to it, you guys should check it out. My, my number four is going to be the spiritual garden fantasy draft. I thought that was a really cool idea and I think it worked out very well. Um, I, I also, think I won that fantasy draft.
1: I don't believe that to be true.
2: I, I think you are incorrect. And I think if you check the, the listings, you will find out that I did win. Um, my number three is going to be cheesy dinosaurs featuring the, I know dino podcast. Yes. That was just a super fun episode. I really enjoyed it. The, the, I know dino podcast guys are absolutely fantastic. They they're, So much fun to talk to, and it just it just came off in a very well done episode. I very much, which is crazy
1: because I literally contacted them like earlier that day. I'm like, "What are you guys doing tonight?" Yeah, and they they pulled through. Yeah, they were so awesome. That's more on them than on me.
2: Yeah, absolutely awesome. I recommend. I also recommend going and listening to their podcast. Check it out. But if you haven't heard that one, that was the one I believe that we reviewed Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Not good. Eh, no, no, we 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 definitely had our issues with it, but they they were a highlight of that episode. I think my number two episode is going to be "It's Your Birthday, Rob." <laughs> that that your movie was absolutely fantastic. I I total B movie cheese. Yeah, hilarious, a lot of fun. It's one of those fun crappy movies to sit through.
0: It's so much and, fun
2: to talk about. And we talked about it for for a bit, too, so it was very enjoyable. But my number one, and is it's probably the episode that I tell everybody that they should listen to, is At Knowing is Half the Battle, episode number 24, where we interviewed Kirk Bazigian, Great guy, full of lots of knowledge. He was, he was, I believe, VP, VP at the time?
0: VP of Boys Toys at um And Hasbro. VP of Marketing for Boys Toys. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. VP of Marketing for Boys Toys. At Hasbro,
2: who who of course developed the GI Joe line, the GI Joe toy line. So he had a lot of insight. He had a lot of inside information and stories that we didn't know about, and yeah. just just a really really great interview. Good guy too.
1: So those are my five. Very nice. Good choices. Three of those were on my cut. Were on the cusp, but I actually okay. one of those I knew would be in your list, so I I bumped it out. Which one? Uh, the birth your birthday one. Ah, gotcha. So All right. Well, I'll next? go ahead and uh, go, ahead. go
0: next. Yeah. Uh, I have to throw out an honorable mention. Uh, that is episode 31 featuring C.S. Umble, author of The Battle at Yellow Hill, Massacre at Yellow Hill. I'm sorry. Um, just a really, really good dude and uh, definitely worth checking out. OK, so my number five, Rob, is episode 33. It's your birthday, Rob. Yeah,
1: that was a great episode.
0: It was so much fun to record and just so much fun to watch that movie.
1: Uh, we had to watch it like three times each, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, more, I've seen more than any other movie this year, sadly. Yeah.
0: Oh, so fantastic! Uh and My number four is going to be episode forty-three. That is cheesy dinosaurs featuring the I Know Dino podcast. So much fun. Garrett and Sabrina were fantastic. Uh, definitely check it out. Rob talked about it. My number three is my birthday episode. That is episode number 26, Werewolf Ninja Curse. Nice. Just because I got to talk about how great 1984 was. Uh, Number two, and the the title still makes me laugh, it is uh, episode number 56 featuring Joe Ballerini. That is a dog fighting movie for kids. Yay! Joe's such a great dude and we look forward to talking to him very soon. Uh, number, one you, is, yeah, number one is a combo that is episode number 50, Sides A and B, our Timmy Capello interview. I cringe a little bit every time you guys say Tim Capello. That's his professional name, yes, but he prefers Timmy. So stop it. I'm sorry. Please.
1: Isn't he going to be coming here
2: uh, sometime in the near future?
0: He has a
1: show uh, either late December, which would have been it already happened, or early January.
0: Yeah. I uh, have. I haven't talked to him in a little bit. So hopefully, Timmy's going to be going on tour. Hopefully, he's going to be coming down here, and we. Uh, Timmy's just a great dude. You know, check out that art. Uh, check out that episode. I mean, what a what a affable guy. I mean, we had to cut it
1: into two episodes because he was just so full of information, and he I, was like, I couldn't edit it because it was all interesting. Yeah. I so thought. check it out. My turn. So my number is five. Is episode 56, a dogfighting movie for kids. Again, Joe Ballerini, we talked about it. Author, talked about his his book, Babysitter's Guide to Monster Hunting, book two. And of course, he will be back for book three whenever that comes out. I'm assuming next fall. Here is something I referenced a little bit earlier, but I was talking to people about which episodes they like. And someone said this phrase, angry Jimmy is good Jimmy.
0: Which episode was that?
1: So they said anytime, they always like the episodes at which Jimmy is angry about something.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> which is inevitably at
2: least once an episode.
1: Yeah. Which yep. is in, yeah. Yeah. Well, once an episode. And <laughs> so that rocketed this one up to number four. Uh, that would be cram pissed off.
0: Nice. <laughs> in which virtually yeah.
1: the entire episode, Jimmy was threatening my life. I think jokingly, although I haven't seen him in person since before then.
0: You just wait, buddy.
1: If he's holding his hand behind his back when he greets you, you should run. Yeah, hmm. uh, that was the episode in which we talked you about bastard. what we thought would be fun Christmas horror movies, but it turned out to be like six terrible garbage Christmas horror movies, and also yeah. one
0: good one. Thanks for reminding me. Um, one of my re- resolutions this year was to be less angry, but now I'm angry, and I'm going to punch <laughs> your face. In.
1: <laughs> You're going to murder me with an elf on the shelf.
0: Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't mess with that stuff. But I will stab you with a knife. Oh, okay. good.
1: Well, that's actually a really good segue to my number four or my number three, which is episode 51, the Take Me Back to the Summer of 84 episode, which was about Summer of 84. And ah, that yes. movie was really fun to watch and almost even more fun to talk about. And just listen, I actually re listened to that episode today while determining these. And it was just one of those that I just really enjoyed. And it even, and I believe that was the first episode that Kerwin was on. So it was, her,
0: yes. Like, listener. Magic, um, so. As you say that, um, I, I've got to to say this. Here comes pissed off Jimmy. Um, Dear Shudder, please stop fucking comparing Summer of '84 to Stranger Things on Instagram. <laughs> stop! It's not Stranger Things. It's a it's movie not. set in the '80s with kids in it. There's where the comparisons end. It's I, a get, I get, I get.
1: A suspense movie versus a sci-fi.
0: I get that you have to like sell your product and everything. And now, Summer of 4 is a quote shutter exclusive, which people comment on and they're like, oh, great job with this movie. I'm like, mm, God, stop. Stop that.
1: Angry Jimmy is good, Jimmy.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. So, and number
1: box. two, John. We, we've talked about these a bunch. So, my number two, Sexy or Side B, Sexy Sex Man featuring Timmy Capella. Hell yeah. And number Woo. one. My birthday episode, the And Knowing is Half the Battle episode, anytime I get to talk about G.I. Joe is a good time, and that was episode 24, so that would be nice. It. So those are the episodes. If you guys want to get a better taste of what we do, those are probably the best ones to do. Yeah, you can skip all the other ones. Well, we pretty much, between the three of us, almost named all of them. Up next, we've got TV, and we also have streaming. At first, uh, the first email that we sent out kind of had them both together. As things kind of progressed, I did split them up so we might have different types of lists here. Honestly, the weird thing about this was that I thought that TV was actually going to be the weaker of the categories going into this, and that's why I mixed it with streaming. Because mm-hmm. while there was some strong TV, it was not groundbreaking. But then as I went into it and did that thing where I kind of go back in time all the way back to January, March, whatever, I was like, oh, hmm, that time was. Time traveling? Yeah, at what? Least virtually.
0: Okay.
2: Got to get back in time.
1: That'd be a movie right there. I have to go back in time and stop myself from telling Jimmy to watch Christmas horror movies so that he doesn't murder me in the future. So you don't die. And, like, make it like a ghost of Christmas present. I'm going to write that. So some of us will have TV and streaming. Some of us will have a TV section and a streaming section.
0: I'll tell you what, then. I'll go ahead and go first. Okay. What you got? My list. Nope. My list is all streaming. Okay. Because... I haven't had cable in a long time. I don't have Hulu. Um, all I have is Netflix. Okay. So my number five is going to be the movie from Duncan Jones, son of David Bowie, uh, Mute," just a, a very cool film. I uh, really enjoyed it. My number four is going to be "Wild, Wild Country," and that is a docu series about a cult. That was the subject of an episode of Forensic Files way back in 2002. That would be the and I saw that on list
1: and I, I, didn't, I, I didn't know much about that.
0: Yeah, it was a uh, – there was an Indian um, spiritual leader um, who purchased a bunch of land in Oregon, and um, they built a kind of like a, a commune or a preserve or whatever you want to call it. And they all dressed in red, and some of the members tried to poison the rest of the town so that they could sway the local elections. Um, and it just, it ended with the, the spiritual leader, um, in total disgrace. Um, although it really wasn't his fault too much, uh, so much as it, he, as it was his, um, second in command. Um, they were both banished from the country. It's very fascinating. Uh, it's, uh, produced by Mark and Jay Duplass. Um, who you might recognize, uh, Mark Duplass from, um, the movie Creep that I've talked about. And, uh, yeah, very good, very good docuseries. Uh, number three is going to be Disenchantment, um, the anime series from Matt Groening. A lot of fun. I enjoyed it maybe more than other people. Uh, number two, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And my number one, it should be your number one as well, is The Haunting of Hill House. So that's my all streaming list. Interesting.
1: Well, then I guess I will will do a streaming list as well. My number five is Glow Part 2. I really like Glow Part 1. I think Glow Part 1 was actually my number one last year, but 2 was just as fun. It wasn't as novel because, you know, round two really is, but it was really good. Uh, Number four is something I just got into, and it's really good, and everyone says it's good and it's been winning all of the awards, that is The Marvelous Ms. Maisel. that is on Amazon Prime. It is about a Jewish woman in the 50s whose husband leaves her, and when she is on a pissed-off rant, she just happens to drunkenly go into a comedy club and do a set. She hooks up with, not hooks up with physically, but she gets hooked up with uh, oh shoot, what's his name? I don't remember. Uh, well a comic agent who's a female is actually played by the woman that voices Lo- uh, Lois Griffin, but and uh, Lenny Bruce, and does this career in the fifties doing stuff that you know that you a woman wouldn't do, it. and technically even guys were getting arrested for you know like body comedy, comedy. Uh, it's it's just a familiar show for something that's set in the fifties, just from hearing my family talk about what it was like when they were growing up in the fifties. And it's it's so good, and I it, I'm not done with it yet, or else it would have probably been higher. Number three on my streaming, Altered Carbon. I can't stop thinking about those last couple episodes.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh well, they came out this year. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Like when they were up in the the cloud satellite thing, and these these poor girls that thought they were going to be re what what was the term they used re re sleeved re sleeved, and just how debauched it was, mm-hmm. and I don't know, it was it was very affecting and very well done. That was on what Netflix, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Netflix. Uh, number two, it shouldn't have been good. It there's no possible way this should have been a good, as good or as entertaining as it was but Cobra Kai like mm-hmm. it was on YouTube oh hell yeah which doesn't even really exist anymore but it's now called like YouTube Red. Know, premium or something no it's not it's not that's gone now
2: oh what like, if you already can, had a changed, membership for it did they just like change they changed, the they
1: changed the name of it and they're oh. not doing any YouTube it's like a YouTube production but YouTube shuttered their production company but it was just so much fun mm-hmm. and it was really interesting in the fact that there was no pure good or pure bad throughout the show. And you could kind of see both both sides at times. Yeah. Uh, you know, Johnny wasn't as one note as he was in the movie. You actually rooted for him at times. I rooted for him at times until he kind of did some dumb...
2: f himself up.
1: Yeah. But it was just really fun and you can find it on YouTube. And my number one, also Jimmy's number one, The Haunting of Hill House, took took me through October. It was moody, it was spooky, it was scary, it was well written, it was interesting, it was well acted, so Haunting of Hill House on Amazon Prime. That was number one.
2: Nice. Um well for my streaming list, I've got I've got a couple of honorable mentions because the the Friday the thirteenth fan film, that was this year, right? Yeah, I believe it was in February of this year, yes. Okay. Yeah, so the Friday the thirteenth fan film And I didn't have anywhere else to put it, so I had to mention Christmas Chronicles. Both were excellent, and they were both streamed. They were both streaming. So I I just wanted to throw those in there for honorable mentions. Um, My number five, and it's only number five because I haven't actually seen it yet, but since it just came out and it's part of 2018 and it's kind of groundbreaking, I felt I had to include it. At number five is going to be a Black Mirror Bandersnatch because I believe it's actually the first... Choose your own story, isn't it?
1: Uh, It's not. It's. Oh, I thought it was the first one. I couldn't find anything else. It's the first choose your own story for adults. They did something like that with children and with children's movies on that show, but it was nowhere near as complex as what you ended up with with Black Mirror.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm Uh, putting you watched that, right? I sure did, and I I got every outcome. I
1: got I got all but one, but let's not ruin it for Rob. Uh, We're probably gonna end up talking about that in early in the next year yeah i i that's definitely one that's gonna be on my
2: list to watch the 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 ever-growing list because like i said when i was when i was uh, doing research for this i kept i kept coming across stuff like oh my god i gotta watch that oh my god i gotta watch that i couldn't believe that they remade watership down did you know that
1: Wait. uh no the, the you,
2: you remember the, the cartoon horrifying.
1: Yeah, with the rabbit, yeah. My yeah. my aunt told me to watch it when I was like six, and I'm still oh scared of rabbits.
2: Yeah, that's terrible. But they actually did a series for Watership Down that's streaming on Netflix. It's huh. like a eight episode series that I'm probably gonna have to check out. Um but my so my number five is gonna be Bandersnatch. My number four is gonna be Cobra Kai. We've already discussed that. Uh it like you said, it shouldn't have been as good as what it was, but it was very enjoyable and it it, it hooked me. And it was another one of those things where every time I finished an episode, I'm like, oh, I got to see the next episode. My number three is actually going to be one that uh, Jen and I watched together. Um, I don't believe you guys actually watched it,
1: though. Um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Well, Jimmy had it on his list, so clearly he did. I have not. I've only watched episode oh, one.
2: Oh, well, yeah, sorry.
1: Um, you've only watched episode
2: one. Yes. The, um, it, I, I loved the adult take on it. And it was just a really well, I thought it was a really well done story and it was very enjoyable for my number two. I think you had it at number three, Greg, but it's my number two and that's going to be altered carbon. Altered carbon was such a fantastic series. I mean, it was the, just the, the, the scene settings alone, they had so much detail involved and the, the budget must've been amazing. I think I read somewhere that Netflix spent like $8 billion on producing Producing shows this year alone. Did you, All did of you see that episode?
1: Yeah, I've, I've seen figures like that, but I didn't know the exact number. So I thought that the world building in Altered Carbon was great. And just the trying to explain something that's very hard to explain, mm-hmm. but doing it well.
2: Yeah, they, they definitely pulled it off. Very, very much a sci-fi slash uh, action fantasy type adventure feel to it. Um. Just really well done. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It is a little bit more adult oriented. I wouldn't recommend watching it with the kids, but super fun. My number one, of course, is going to be the series that we could not get enough of. We ate up all the episodes very rapidly, and that's going to be the Haunting of Hill House. Absolutely amazing, oh, very yeah. terrifying at times. Mm-hmm. Really the, gave you rare guess. triple number one. Yeah. Hey. Really gave you that sense of that sense of dread, the, oh, my oh, yeah. God, what's going to happen oh, next thing. But also, I
0: can't wait to see
2: it. <laughs> yeah. What's going to happen next? I got to watch it. Yeah. We stayed up too late several nights just because we had to watch one more episode. And it might feature very heavily in one of my Give Me Five later.
0: Yeah, we may be talking about it later.
2: So that's my five.
1: So and I'm the only one that did like regular TV, right?
2: Um, yeah, I think so. Because mine, I mean, mine is just TV that we watch. So, I mean, I, it's nothing. I I was able to sneak the Orville back on the list <laughs> because they've released one episode. <laughs> oh, I forgot to watch that.
1: <laughs> Crap. So I'll do the TV then. So this is actual, like, broadcast network TV stuff. Yeah. At number five. This is one of those where I, I, things grew as I went further back. Mm-hmm. So the terror was a story about the HMS terror it is a true story, but they don't actually really know what happened. It was a boat that got stuck, like a whaling ship kind of thing. They got stuck in the ice because they went they went down south, basically. Or, no, actually, I'm sorry, they went up north. But they ended up getting stuck for pretty much the entire winter. And then when they finally found the boat and it kind of freed itself from the ice, they, uh, they have no idea what actually happened. Of course, there's stories of them just leaving it or getting killed or being eaten or something. But the terror told that story had great acting. It was, it was interesting. I believe they actually just recently found the remains of that boat underwater. Like I said, it was, this played back from January to March. So it's been a while, um, kind of around the same time period, actually a few years, you know, and maybe a little bit later. The alienist was a story of them hunting down a serial killer, kind of a, a Jack the Ripper S kind of story. Uh, a really good moody thing at every, that was one of those that when it would come on my DVR, that was, I would watch it that night. I, I didn't wait till the next day. Uh, number three, Westworld. I know some people stream that on HBO go, but Westworld season two came out. It was just as strong as season one. It was interesting. It was, it pushed forward all the mysteries, but it didn't, it, it solved some, which is good. So it didn't kind of do the lost thing where you're, like, okay, are they going anywhere with this? So Westworld was number three. Number two was Atlanta. Such a weird, sometimes funny, sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes interesting, sometimes, you know, socially, uh, social commentary, but it was just very well done. So that was Atlanta. I think, season three? And the Americans finally finished this year, season six, I believe. Uh, they did a six-episode series, and it was the tale of some Russian spies living in America and it was in set in the eighties. It was the real eighties and it was a satisfying ending. It was a surprise ending. It wasn't like a game of Thrones or a Sopranos where you're like, Oh, who's going to die this week. It definitely had a lot of, you actually cared about the characters, even though some of them were bad guys and they did terrible things throughout the show. And it was at times just a heartbreaking show. And I thought they did a really good job, and I was sad to see it go, but it did end at the right time. So that was The Americans. It's my number one uh, broadcast
0: television show of the year.
1: You know, uh, up next is our only one that's like a very specific thing, and I'm, I'm excited to hear this one. So go ahead.
0: Yeah. Um, this was kind of a last-minute edition, and uh, it took some some research. But once I kind of looked back at the horror films that came out this year, I was like, oh, 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 shit. Like I'm getting goose slash right now thinking about it so this topic is the scariest movie slash tv scene of 2018 and for me it was a really fun one to revisit so i'm gonna go ahead and go first because i'm so excited to talk about it okay do it do it yeah i'm wondering how much crossover there's gonna be i hmm we'll see um Mm -hmm. we'll see my number five was Bo and his toy from a quiet place now this was it yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, this was, I think, the scene that set the tone for the rest of the movie. And it it was truly, um, it really set a quiet place apart from, you know, previous horror films. Uh, Bo is the little kid. He's like three or four. And in the very beginning, they're scavenging in a, a store. And his sister uh, hands him a little toy, but he grabs a couple of batteries off the shelf he puts the batteries in this little spaceship and as they're walking across a bridge or like a railroad bridge dealio um he turns a toy on and you just go oh shit no so that's yeah so spoiler alert um beau dies mm-hmm. and it was it was... cracking
1: of the branches as these things tear through the woods towards oh him.
0: god oh yep okay I'm looking over my shoulder now all right, so my number four, because I had to pick one from it, and that is from Haunting of Hill House. Now, we'll see where this crosses over, if it does or doesn't, but for me, The Man with the Hat, episode four. Is that the floating
1: down the Yep. hallway and then under the bed? Yep. Yeah, that was that was very, very close. Okay. Um, I tried to pick one per thing, but there I, was like at least three or four in Hill House that could have been in there.
0: Yeah. Um. You said you tried to pick one, um, per thing, uh, Hereditary made my list twice. So number three is the floating decapitation where Tony Collette, God, if she doesn't get a uh, more awards for that role, um, it's the scene towards the very end where she cuts her own head off. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God. Uh, number two is going to be when Charlie dies and Hereditary. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh uh <laughs> very good number one the screaming bear from annihilation <laughs> was absolutely terrifying no it's it's not a bear just like sitting there screaming it, have you guys seen it yet yeah we, we, we all yeah no, no i didn't see it okay oh, okay well there's this well, like both you and i saw it yeah there's this like bear and it's like skull is exposed and it comes up next to natalie portman's character and it's it when it goes to roar it screams and it's the scream of their dead comrade so it's absolutely my
1: right next to her and it's she can't move and uh
0: yeah it's my absolute most terrifying movie moment from 2018 greg what do you got well that one (laughs) okay
1: (laughs) um i'm very i'm very close to you on these uh, okay, cool. My number five is one that's going to branch out from you guys. That is the Teddy Perkins episode slash scene of Atlanta in which basically a oh, well, yeah. pop star uh, who looks kind of like Michael Jackson in the later years mm-hmm. basically is just – it's just creepy and it's weird. And the whole story is that um, it's one guy supposed to go to this old guy's house to pick up a, a piano. It's like this old mansion. He goes to pick it up and the, the guy happens to be there and his brother's like – like, you need to go upstairs and get this rifle, and there's, like, a double shooting, and it's just, it, like, for this show that's kind of comedic at times and obscure at other times, it, for that one episode to pop out there, it was like, I I watched it twice in a row because I was like, what the hell just happened?
0: Was that the one where it, it looked like somebody was wearing a mask, but you couldn't tell?
1: Yeah, it was kind of like a cross between Michael Jackson after he, like, did his skin change thing and, like, I don't know, The Invisible Man or something. Kind okay. of wheelchair and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out it was Donald Glover the whole time, but like none of the other actors. I, I keep on forgetting that guy's name, the other actor. Um, hmm. oh shoot, he was in uh, I think he ended up being Black Panther. He's been in a bunch of stuff, he was one of those like actors of the year type. Um, was he
0: in uh, Predator?
1: Uh, you will possibly hear my child in the background. Sorry, guys. Um, I don't remember, I don't believe I can't remember his name.
0: Um, go I'm ahead, it oh. for
1: excellent radio here. I've, I've okay. got as soon as it, as soon as IMDb speeds up,
0: uh, really, I don't care about what season.
1: <laughs> oh my God! It's actually asking me to look
0: which episode I want. Is it um Sterling Brown? Nah. I thought he was in Atlanta.
1: I mean, he's oh. in Atlanta, but oh my God, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Oh okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that's that. Um, my number four is the bathtub scene of a quiet place.
0: Oh yes, that. <laughs> i i didn't want to choose that one um but it, it was very close
1: yeah uh the the you know the shit hits the fan baby born. there was very recently before that part i think a a nail exposed on a stair and you knew something was coming <gasps> yeah
0: uh
1: charlie's death in hereditary is my number three okay that was uh one sad it was the sound editing was great as we talked about briefly a second ago and the acting afterwards with Tony Collette finding her body, and then the cut scene away from it is horrifying.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: number two, the car scene or the car scare in the haunting of Hill House, in which you don't, okay. you've oh never yeah, never seen any ghosts outside of the house, but the the sister and brother, I think, or two sisters. Mm-hmm. No,
2: the two sisters. Two sisters yeah. are arguing sister. and. This
1: face, scary ghost face jumps out from between the two seats.
2: It was Nell, by
1: the way. It was uh, the face was. Yeah, yeah. So it, was, it, was Nell. it was
2: Nell because they were arguing and she wanted them to stop arguing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Popped out from the fa- between the two seats and it was unexpected and pretty scary. And number one, we talked about it: the screaming bear in Annihilation. Oh. I wanted it to stop when it was going on. Like,
0: is- I I saw that at um Epic Theaters, mm-hmm. so. You know, there's a minimal amount of seats in there. They're all recliners, or leather, super nice. Um But we were like laying down. It was very intimate because we were like laying down next Ooh. to other people, <laughs> and it just made for a really weird theater experience. Um, I'm just like looking over at this person next to me, like, are you are you good? And they're looking over at me, like, nah, nah. I need nah, a hug. <laughs> yeah,
1: for me, it was like I saw it really late at night, and there was a. It was a warm night with cold fog. Oh, okay. Or no, I'm sorry, it was a cool night with warm fog. That's what it was. So like I got out of the theater right afterwards and it was just uh, so uncomfortable. Okay. Rob, do what you got.
0: All right.
2: Well, um I'm I like always I'm going to throw in an honorable mention. It, it wasn't particularly scary, but it was a great scene setting setting things up. It was the um the Mike Myers one take killing spree as he returns to Haddonfield. Awesome. And- the camera just kind of follows him through as he kills and kills and kills and kills and kills, and kills.
1: Uh, through all the uh, houses and you see through like the front yeah. windows. And, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and it was all done in like one take a uh, really, really great scene. I really enjoyed that. My number, my number five though, and it's going to be from, it, it's my number five because it's, it's a movie that I have not seen, but I have seen the scene quite enough and, and know these and even just the scene itself is kind of, kind of suspense building. But the bathtub scene from A Quiet Place. Very good. I'm going to put that in at number five. At number four, I'm going to put in, I think it's the, I don't know if it's the, no, it's not the first one that we've seen, but it's the first one that Steven sees in uh, Haunting of Hill House, when Steven sees Nell's ghost. Mm. and He thinks she's just there in his apartment and he's on the phone and he turns around and she's immediately standing right in front of his face. And her face grays out, her eyes turn white, and she lets out that that dead uh, scream or whatever. And yeah, he, like freaks out and falls over.
0: Yep, that's so- that. Wasn't that like the moment she died? Yes.
2: Well, that was when the dad was calling him to tell her that she had died.
0: Okay.
1: So oh, yeah. so good. There were so many of those that like all sorts of them. You, yeah, you'll see it, my well, list actually is all crossed out and stuff because there's like Yeah well it, it made my
2: it made my list a couple of times. So that was that was what, number four? At number at number three ah, this is gonna be tough. Alright. At number three, <laughs> I'm gonna put Theo sees a crawler. So mm-hmm. it's the scene when they're in the the mortuary or the okay. funeral home, and <laughs> Theo walks into the room and the model of their perfect home is broken on the floor. And it's yes. the first time that Theo sees a ghost. And as she's down, you know, she looks over and sees the the, the dirt trail trailing around behind the desk and then you hear and then the, the thump, thump as the as the zombie or whatever it is is crawling around the desk. And she like freaks out and and was it the dad that was there with her that saw it as well? Somebody came running in and was like, oh my God. Or yeah, no it, it um, wasn't Susan. I think it was the dad. I think so.
0: But that's going to have to get a rewatch.
2: But yeah, su- super, super intense scene. And like I said, it's the first time that Theo sees a ghost and she just about freaks out. Yep. My number two is going to be from a Netflix original that we actually covered in the past. And that's going to be, it's a toss up between one of two scenes from the same movie. It's okay. the cabin scene from The Ritual. Do you remember that?
0: Oh yeah! Oh man! Yeah, and, didn't, and the dude
2: I, wakes up in the uh, in the room with like the totem, and he's like, "What the hell? Get <laughs> he yep. me out of here!" And they go and they go running out of the running out of the cabin, and then mm-hmm. the subsequent scene where they're being hunted—that is also a very intense scene, very scary. Um, so both—it's a toss-up for either one of those scenes. So I'm going to put the ritual in at number two. Awesome. But my number one—good choice, by the way. My yeah. my number mm-hmm. one. Is going to be another haunting at Hill House, um, and neither one of you guys mentioned it, but it was the scene that it was the scene that got me, and I was like, "Oh my God, pull him up, pull him up, pull him up!" <laughs> the scene with Luke in the basement as the thing is crawling around the barrel towards Luke, and he's stuck in the dumbwaiter.
0: Oh uh, yeah. my and, God, and, yeah! And,
2: and Theo is trying to pull him up because he's screaming his brains out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. little
0: Theo and, or little the,
2: Luke and the flashlight is going out and you're like oh my god somebody get him out of there <laughs> what are you doing Pull him up
1: yeah yeah that 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 scene got me there's so many like there's that weird smiley face guy yeah mr smiley yeah mhm
2: it
1: was just it was good i mean that series was so well done
0: so it, it was it was, it, really... it was
1: genuinely scary mm-hmm. it's weird cuz we talked a lot it. this year about how like it was a strong year for horror Mm-hmm. And then sitting down and trying to do this just reiterated it. Like I had ten that I had to whittle down.
0: I, you texted. Uh, what time was that? Like one, one thirty, something like that. Yeah, it was like it was I was doing it over lunch break. Yeah, it took me hours mm-hmm. to to whittle that down. And I'm really surprised the ritual didn't make well my list, but very good, Rob. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. So on from our on from our favorite scary scenes of the year to our. Top favorites of the year. And by that, I mean our favorite movies of the year. So we're going to try and whittle it down to our top five of the year. Okay. There were a bunch of good ones this year.
0: There were, and yes. it's hard. Um, so I'll go ahead and go first as my lot in life, as Greg says, huh, I made a couple of last minute changes. Um, very difficult to put together. Like you said, there were so many great ones this year. Uh, so I'll just get right into it. My number five, black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, I hate that it ended up so low, but there were just so many good ones that, that I really connected with. So, uh, Black Panther, great film. Uh, we've referenced the actors many times throughout this episode. Um uh, you guys previously talked about, uh, the trailer for us on our last episode. Holy shit. That looks so good. Uh, starring, uh, it looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, Mbaka. Uh, yep. He's in it. So, uh, yeah, Black Panther, if you haven't Not seen Winston, it. Winston, Winston Duke. Winston Duke. Um, uh, Lupita Nuango. Um, if you haven't seen Black Panther, what's wrong with you? If you haven't seen it multiple times, really, what's wrong with you? Uh, number four, Hereditary. I, I, I thought it was just such a great addition to the horror genre. Um, and speaking of number 3, an excellent addition to the horror genre. Can't wait to see how this world fleshes out. A quiet place. Uh number 2, Summer of 84. And I have a controversial pick at number 1 because I don't I don't think Greg enjoyed it as much as I did. Rob, I don't think you've seen it yet. Mandy. No okay. said. Mic drop. <laughs> <Yeah,
1: laughs> no set. Crazy ass movie. So good. Also on Shudder, I believe.
0: It, it yeah, it's a quote Shudder exclusive. Get your shit together, Shudder.
1: They have Mandy and, and Summer of Eighty Four. That's your first two I think their shit is together.
0: Uh, yeah, but they're the, the whole Oh, Stranger Things meets root like no. It's it's a movie set in the eighties with kids. Don't I've already said it, just yeah, go. I on. get th- I, I get that. Uh, it annoys me.
1: I get that. It's that's more the viewing public that needs to get their shit together. Uh, yeah, I understand that. that. But
0: uh,
1: fine. I don't like that. But it's people that need to be convinced to stretch outside their bounds and be convinced to watch something. Well, it's kind of like this. If you like that, you'll like that. So. uh,
0: Okay. Summer of 84 is set in the 80s. It's got kids in it. If, if you guys have listened to the show, yeah, if you're a first time listener, um, get the shutter trial, um, uh, your first month is free, and then after that, it's like three ninety nine. But you can watch Mandy and Summer of 84, and you can email us and let us know what you think.
1: That's acceptable. I'm going to let Rob go next because my child is in the next room. There's a chatter. Paper, and you for, can hear yeah. it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Rob, what do you got, man?
2: All
1: right. Well,
0: this
2: was this was hard for me to whittle down. I, and I, I feel like a schmuck because I've got I've got several movies from the end of the year that I think are going to make my top five okay so it, it i'm very heavy at the end of the year but because because there were but i mean there were ones summer of 84 was on the list it, i don't think it's making the final five i really enjoyed game night um unlike unlike uh some people like i really enjoyed solo i know it wasn't a terribly popular movie and it was the biggest i think it was the biggest box office bomb this year wasn't it
0: i i think so um, although all three of us, no, were we, really, we really thought it, it
1: was, we thought it was going to be, but something beat it out at the, uh, skyscraper it out by like,
0: Oh, but come on, a
1: million dollars or something.
2: Well, didn't, didn't mortal engines bomb even harder than that? Possible.
1: I'm not sure. Okay, Based, Based which off of the budget, I think so.
2: Yeah. Which is another one that I really enjoyed. I, I liked mortal engines and I can't believe that mortal engines got a lower score than Mary Poppins returns because that movie was terrible. And I'm a Disney fan. Um, but yeah, so there there were there were a number of, of worthy ones on my list, but I think I'm going to start at number 5 with Black Panther. While I didn't enjoy it as much as Greg and Jimmy did, it it was a good movie. I I liked it. It just wasn't my favorite and I thought it was I thought it was a little bit overhyped. I didn't feel it was as good as everyone was making it out to be. But that being said, it is still in my top 5. My number 4 I think is going to be Bumblebee. Just recently saw that. And that movie is what all the other Transformers movies should have been. It was very well done movie. They got they got the all of the decade stuff right. They got the Transformers right. I I enjoyed the battles. The the storyline was was passable. I mean it was it's an action movie. I mean, let's be honest. Um, but very, very, very well done movie. I can't very wait totally to see it. Oh, I will! I will definitely buy that one when it comes out. Nice. My number three is going to be Deadpool two because who doesn't love Deadpool? And and you know, just watching him shove a cable up Juggernaut's ass was
0: hilarious. I I loved the Goonies references in oh. that with Josh Brolin. Yes, yes. <laughs> one eyed
2: Willy.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: so great. And my number two is going to be one of the few one of the few villains as the star of the movie and that's going to be venom they haven't done too many movies where the villains were actually the star of the movie you know what I mean mm-hmm. um, The only other one that really jumps to mind is suicide squad maybe maybe Hannibal, but even even with Hannibal, there was still there was a lot still... of
0: good guy stuff.
2: Right, right. There were still yeah. good guys in the movie. With Venom, he is a villain. There was just a bigger villain that he had to fight. So it's you know, it was, I Venom is going to be my number two. It was,
1: it was. They're literally the first person I've ever heard say anything good about that movie. Mind you, it, really? I did not listen to our podcast. That was literally on every single worst of list I saw.
0: Did you not see Venom yet? No. Oh my Dude, god! Great. I was. Ta- I was talking about this with a, a friend the other night. Uh, we were walking out of Publix, and I looked at the Redbox, and I said, oh, man, I got to rent Venom so my girlfriend can see it. He was like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm like, oh, it's so good. I, I, you, so good. Dude, I will send you I'm a fr- re- I'm, I'm, i –
1: no, I'm glad it's in Redbox. I can get it right across the street. I okay. Shit.
0: I was going to say I'll send you a free rental code. Ooh. There okay. you go. I
1: won't, I won't deny that.
0: Okay. I'll do it right now.
2: But what's your number I, one, rub? My number one, I think, is going to be very obvious. Um, I'm I'm a sucker for big-budget action movies, and this franchise has done it very well, and I'm going with the Avengers.
1: Awesome. Nice, nice. Very interesting, the way these all played out. So I'm going to go now. Yeah, I had, this is another one where I had, like, ten. I had to wheel it down. It was interesting what bumped things down.
2: Jimmy, was Ready Player One on your list? I just...
0: Hell no, it wasn't.
2: I just realized I didn't yeah. think I heard that on your list.
0: He didn't like it. <laughs>
1: Oh,
2: that's
0: right. I hated it. Like, there was stuff
1: that was, that bumped up and jumped back down. Halloween, Solo, Quiet Place. Bohemian Rhapsody would have been on there if they actually told the real story and didn't mm-hmm. try to make it more interesting. Uh, Spider-Man was switching places with Bumblebee, all that kind of stuff. But going number five, Bumblebee, what was, it's great. It's recent. It's, but it was a really enjoyable, fun movie, and I want other people to just see it.
0: I will see it very soon. I want them to make more.
1: Yeah, I want them to make more. Uh, the acting was actually pretty good. The soundtrack was great. The visuals were cool. uh number four was hereditary. I'm not sure if I'm able to see that movie again. Hmm. it's a harsh watch, yeah, but I'm glad I saw it. It left me numb in a good way as when I left the theater and for I was thinking about it for days afterwards when I wasn't urinating myself, thinking about the bear from Annihilation,
2: <laughs> yeah, and that was one of
1: the ones that just didn't
2: just didn't resonate with me.
1: Just the bear, not no, the no, whole
2: movie. The hereditary.
1: Oh, hereditary. No. Gotcha. Uh, number three, Avengers Infinity War. They had to juggle a lot of stuff, and they did a really good job doing so. There's a few, a few things that kept it from being number one, but that's still saying a lot, because was a lot of movies this year. Mm-hmm. Number two, I still get a little nervous thinking about this movie, and I'm actually surprised it didn't show up on anyone's list, and I'm even more surprised that it did show up on mine, but Mission Impossible Fallout.
0: Oh, oh yeah. no. Oh, it was fun.
1: The movie was very well done. I'm not the world's biggest Tom Cruise person, but the, the end action sequence was excellent. The, oh, God, yes,
0: it was.
2: If not mistimed. <laughs>
0: uh, it, yeah. <laughs> but also the big, like, the begin the opening reveal was oh, yeah. so amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, I got a copy of it was sent to me for the holidays and it just arrived today. So I will have a chance to watch it again. Very cool. And I saw one, that twice
0: in the theaters. Nice.
1: And even like the Henry Cavill stuff. I, I mean, some of it was telegraphed, but I just he loved the, the bathroom fight. He was, was a, yeah, so cool. that was
0: he was a badass. Mm-hmm.
1: Even with his little porn stash. <laughs> uh, number one should not be a surprise. Came out in February of last year, and it held that top spot forever. I've watched it more than any other movie this year, except for your apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Panther. Awesome. Uh, it was, showed something I never saw before. It was interesting. I liked the character. I liked the, um, I loved the tech and the visuals. And I liked the story. And despite Rob's uh, dislike of Michael B. Jordan's character, I thought I liked him quite a bit and was sad to see him go. So Black it, Panther was my number one of the year, yeah. both in soundtrack and movie, oddly enough.
0: There you go. So that brings us to our final topic. Last but not least, our our final uh, top five of the year, I should say. And that would be the Entertainer of the Year. Who wants to go first?
2: I I don't even know that I have a list for this. (laughs) I guess I'll go first.
0: Okay.
1: So what I did to figure out my Entertainer of the Year is I wanted some some diversity in what people were doing. So, like, did they have a book, a movie, and a CD, or a podcast, and a TV show, or, you know, that type of diversity. Mm -hmm. Uh, That or something new that I've never seen before. Or just a performance that was so above board that you that they could not be denied. Uh-huh. So, my number five. It comes from the podcast world. Two different podcasts. One true crime and one politics. That is Ben Kissel. He is the host of both of those. Aww. As well as, of course, the complete out of nowhere, a guest on Fox News occasionally.
0: Yep. You'd love I, him.
1: I do like him, but it's because I disagree with him a lot. Like, I, I, he's, he's more of a libertarian. I'm not.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Actually, he's actually more of a reform, he ran for the the reform party, but he's, he's interesting. So that would be my number five. Number four is getting changed because of Jimmy. Stupid Jimmy. So, Letitia Wright, Shuri. Yeah. I'm sorry, you were getting bumped.
0: Oh. Because
1: you reminded me of the fact that Tony Collette gave what I believe the best acting performance of the year in Hereditary. Ah. Uh, so. Sorry, Leticia. Congratulations, Tony Collette. Sorry, Leticia Wright. I love <laughs> you both. But that's that. Number three, Donald Glover from, who of course released This Is America, the mm-hmm. song slash video. He was in Solo, which I also enjoyed. And he was great in Atlanta, both writing, directing, acting. Yep. My number two, it had to get in there somewhere. I was concerned about putting this in there because it is not an album cycle, but Pearl Jam for their Home and Away shows. Great shows they did. They did a lot this year. You know their concerts were incredible. Three hours each for a concert, no frills. Wow. Um, and when I was thinking about it, it was funny because I was looking at just music magazines because I wanted music in there as well. But when I was looking at various music magazines, actually, uh, one of the big online music things put Pearl Jam in as the band of the year, which I was shocked about. That was kind of interesting. But my number one, uh, I believe he wrote and directed. A Quiet Place, and he starred in Jack Ryan It was a completely different type of action star. And uh, Jack Ryan is another streaming thing that could have made it onto my top five streaming because I could not turn it off. That would be John Krasinski uh, for both The Quiet Place and Jack Ryan as well as just – I know it wasn't this year, but I did watch far more episodes of The Office than I probably should have. So John Krasinski is my Entertainer of the Year. Congratulations. You can pick up your Give Me Five podcast sticker (laughs) at the front gate.
0: Yes, please do. We won't kidnap you. I promise. I don't promise. All right. So I'll go ahead and go next. My number five is going to be Toni Collette for her her performance in Hereditary. It's just hands down amazing. Number four is going to be John Krasinski, as you previously mentioned. Number three is the artist Ghost for his album his touring, which I've, I've seen him on tour a few times uh, once this past year, I believe, he just does something different every time. And um, unfortunately, had to cancel a recent show in Orlando, but that just means I'll get to go next time. Number two, Donald Glover, as you mentioned, and my number one uh, entertainer of the year, because he entertained me quite a bit, is uh Mike Flanagan. So Mike Flanagan, uh director of Haunting of Hill House. I think last year he did Gerald's game. Guy's just on fire. And I uh, can't wait to see what he's he He's got next. what
1: he's the one doing King Sleep or is that someone else? I think I screwed this up last time too.
0: But he King was not Sleep. he was number six for me. Doctor Sleep. Doctor Sleep. Yeah. So uh that is the uh follow up to um uh why am I blanking on that? The Shining um where the little boy um What's his name? In the Shining, anyway, he's a uh, grown up now, and uh, yeah, that should be awesome. There you go, Mike Flanagan. You can come to my apartment, and I will give you uh, your trophy, among other things. Just like a couple of pieces of bread or something. I, I really don't have anything. Maybe a half used <laughs> bottle of hot sauce. Well, I, uh, I'll uh... take that. I'll take that half used bottle of hot sauce. <laughs> mm, no, I actually didn't. know I just about gave you a free cup for Red Bull. Sure. Right. Anyway, go on.
2: I actually didn't know about the Entertainer of the Year until, you know, right now. But um, I I can throw something together, I guess. Um, at, at number five, I'll probably put uh, The Rock. I know that one of his films bombed this year, but he did have two films come out this year. He had Skyscraper and Rampage.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, Rampage was enjoyable. I mean, it wasn't a great, a great film, but he's also got the TV show The Titan coming out. So he's he's been he's been the, very busy
1: and the TV show when he's the agent the sports yes. agent which is good
2: yeah he's ballers I believe it's called yeah so he he's been he's been very busy a lot of work for for Dwayne Johnson um, my number my number four I'll probably throw in uh, Haley Steinfeld she's had a pretty good year um, having starred as one of the voices in Spider Man and having starred in Bumblebee um, and I had. I really, she wasn't even on my radar before this year, but she's she's had two really great films back to back.
1: Yeah, if you ever, if you want to see a uh, good Western movie, see True Grit, and she's true Grit, wonderful yeah. in it. Yeah, she's yeah.
2: very good in that movie. I will, I will give you Tony Collette at number. No, I'll, I'll hold Tony Collette. I'll put uh, Jason Bateman in at number three uh, for Game Night and Ozark Season Two. Um, I've always loved Jason Bateman. I think he's great in just about everything that he does. At number two, I'll put Toni Collette for her performance in Hereditary. Absolutely fantastic. Number one, uh, I'll probably do John Krasinski.
1: He said he's going to do John Krasinski.
2: I, I totally am. Oh, but when
1: you're done doing John Krasinski, you need to tell us who your number one is. But
2: oh, it'll be John Krasinski at that point.
1: Excellent. Well, he gets two stickers, apparently. Yeah, he does. I can picture him opening up a letter from us with like a bunch of podcast stickers in there. Huh?
2: We should (laughs) totally do that?
1: What the hell? We got to find an address first. Yeah. Well guys, that uh, was 2018. Awesome.
0: Well, uh, thank you guys so much for your support and, you know, listening, sticking with us this past year. We really appreciate it. We hope to entertain you for many years going forward or at least until I get a free T-shirt out of something. So all free T-shirts, uh, you know, send address requests to giveme5podcast at gmail.com, and I will promptly retire. Nice. Uh,
1: 2019, it looks like to be a very busy slate. When this whole thing starts going, there's going to be a bunch of cool stuff to watch. I think we'll finally get a chance to cover Aquaman, which did come out in 2018, of course. We'll, we mentioned earlier, but Black Mirror, Bandersnatch.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to talk about all of the things in that with you guys. So,
1: some bird box, probably. Uh, I've, I've, got to... of, I've got a bunch of streaming
2: that I've got to watch. I mean, going, going, doing the streaming thing for, for this year, I'm like, oh man, I haven't seen that. Oh, I haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, things like Watership Down, the Bandersnatch I still have to see, Game Over Man, The Night Comes for Us. I've heard The Bodyguard is actually pretty good as well. I want to check that out. And atypical... Anna and the Apocalypse. I don't even know what that is, but it looked
1: funny. It, it's supposedly like a so what's female. That, what's the movie and... with the weird big-eyed girl that you want to see? Alita. Attila Battle
0: reason. Angel. Alita. Oh, yeah. Attila.
1: <laughs> That'll be coming out. We'll cover that. Captain Marvel, the new Star Wars movie. Uh, we'll, of course, try to get more guests on for you guys. Uh,
2: so much coming
1: out. Game of Thrones comes back this year, and we oh, have in the yes. past done special episodes on that. Yes. Um, oh, there's something else that I wanted to discuss.
0: Yeah, albums coming out. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: I saw that there's going to be a new album by uh, Whitesnake. Fuck Whitesnake. <laughs> and a band called Tora, Tora which is the first ever signed band that I ever met in person. but in, oh, like, nice. 1991. But apparently they're back together and making album. Uh, Overkill in 1975. And, uh, here's another one for your list, Rob. Rotting Christ. Real band. Real band. No, they're not. Great. No, they're not. As can no. be imagined. And, uh, Romstein.
0: Yeah. I can't wait. I wrote it down. As well as
1: uh, Romstein and Romstein. Yeah. And I've heard that Pearl Jam has been kind of kicking some stuff around, so I'm excited about that. Tool. Oh, well, that could be every year. Tools yeah. and Guns and Roses. <clears> it's got to be coming out this year. At least be. album related. But thank you for listening, guys. Thank I'm Greg. You. I'm Rob. I'm, I'm Rob. I'm Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> That's my. I'm least, Jimmy. Uh, my least favorite thing of the year and who rub no jimmy i'm greg i'm rob
0: Hey, guys, Ricky Rackman here, and I just want to recount our top five awesome albums of 1989. I'm your host of Headbangers Ball, so this is going to be a metal list. It's going to be awesome. My number five metal album of the year is going to be Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, and that album is thrash, baby. Number four is going to be the awesome band from Brazil, Sepultura with Beneath the Remains. Dead embryonic cells yeah number three is a totally tubular album from the band sodom and that's called agent orange number two is a new band to look out for they're super awesome they're from across the pond and they're called carcass that album is called symphonies of sickness and my number one that,
1: when looking for that album at your local radio store look for carcass k is it k-a-r-k-a-s-s or C A R?
0: that's with a c man Come on, it's spelled it's like, like it is in the dictionary, bro. It's like 18 different carcasses out there. Yeah, you missed that wave. And my number one totally excellent album of 1989 is a band that we're very close to by the separation of about five degrees is The Mind is a Terrible Thing to Taste by the band Ministry.
2: I don't. I don't think that anybody in 1989 who actually listened to metal albums described any metal band as totally tubular.
0: Well, I did. (laughs) I was five and I was fucking calling everything tubular.
1: He was hardcore. He was five and he would like break his sippy cup and stab people if you talk back to him. That's right. Because remember, good Jimmy is angry Jimmy or angry Jimmy is good Jimmy.
0: Yeah. I pooped on myself when I was five at school, and they sent me home with girls' underwear. It
1: sounds like it's getting more into therapy than less into...
0: <laughs> Welcome to parenting. Talk Therapy with Greg, Rob, and Jimmy. Tell it us all more. began when I was five it's... and I pooped on myself.
2: Welcome to the Give Me Five podcast with Greg, Rob, and Prissy Pants.
0: My first ever band shirt was a U2 Joshua Tree shirt, and it went down to my ankles, and I used to sleep in it, and I... Peed my pants. I peed the bed one night, and uh, I never saw that shirt again. <laughs> Makes sense. My mom threw it away. My first ever
1: band shirt was a uh, Alice in Chains facelift shirt.
0: Nice.
2: Did yeah. you pee in
1: it? No, because I got it my, when I was like fifteen.
2: My first ever band shirt was uh, Silver Sound.
1: Okay. Did you pee in that?
2: That was that was the name of of the high school marching band I was in.
1: Oh Yeah, I was like, "What is that?" I thought it was going to be like, like the horses one by Garth Brooks or something. No, i I did not buy band shirts.
0: I convinced my parents to, and then I promptly peed in it
2: because <laughs> it, it was a, a dress. <laughs> You're supposed to pee in dresses? No, you were mad. It was a... never mind. Excellent. <laughs>